by the light switch Who watches over you Make a little birdhouse in your soul Not to put too fine a point on it Say I'm the only bee in your bonnet Make a little birdhouse in your soul Hello and welcome to a bonus episode of Jays From Home. I had a great talk with Keegan Matheson and I figured that rather than uh, melt your ears with two hours of Jays From Home, we would split uh, our season preview episode up into a couple different episodes. So you'll hear uh, the interview with Keegan uh, right now, Friday morning. And uh, stay tuned for Monday morning for uh, the season preview with uh, Steve joining in as well. So here it is. Here's my interview with Keegan Matheson. I'm here with Keegan Matheson. Welcome to Jay is from Home. Happy to be here, Matt. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and, and thanks for switching to your car. I guess they're, they're blasting some loud music over at batting practice right now. <laughs> Yeah, this is a uh, Jay's from home featuring Blue Jays reporter from uh, his front seat of his car. We're uh, <laughs> here at the Blue Jays complex, which you can kind of see through my sunroof and this window. No, but it's uh, it, it's always interesting to uh, get set up. This happens to me a lot when I'm trying to do TV appearances from the mm-hmm. ballpark. I think it's going to be okay, and then all of a sudden, batting practice starts, and you just hear "Pony" by Genuine at the loudest <laughs> volume you could imagine. <laughs> And I'm running and sprinting and sweating and trying to get away from it. So thankfully, this is a bit of a quiet place, but uh, you never know uh, how a day is going to go at the uh, the complex here. For sure. Now, does the, the choice of music kind of uh, pretend to the success of the bats uh, in, in the spring training? You would not believe how strange the music gets here. There are golden oldies at some point. There is deep like slow jam r&b at some point there is new hip-hop that's much cooler than me <laughs> there is dad garage rock metal it, it's it's strange you never know who's on it and um you know every once in a while you'll you'll be listening to some songs on a backfield and a an advertisement will come on and the players start to give the other guy crap for not paying for the premium uh, <laughs> spotify or pandora or whatever they've got but it is an eclectic mix, which is okay because once the regular season starts at ballparks, I just hear the same 10 songs every single year. So it's, uh, it keeps me on my toes for a little bit. There you go. Didn't, I didn't, I didn't realize that the, 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 the music uh, gets a little more boring in the regular season, but uh, I guess it's all about routines. It is. There's always like a song of the season, you know, like one song that I hear more than ever. I remember Despacito had a big summer like two or three seasons ago. You know, these these get burned into my brain. But uh, <laughs> there's always a couple hits of the summer. And uh, it, it's always funny being in the ballparks when you see the things on the video boards uh, that are definitely made for fans who are coming to see one or two games. But when I am seeing, you know, Matt Chapman select his favorite cookie for the <laughs> 68th time, I think, oh, God, here they go again. Yeah. Um, now, did you get a chance to to take in any of the, uh, the the World Baseball Classic? I did, and I loved it. And I do not say that lightly, mm-hmm. because I do not watch baseball outside of work, period. And <laughs> okay. I, I said that on Twitter the other day, people do did not like that. And that's, that's understandable. I know this is a, an aspirational job. The, the reality of my job is much different than, than um, you know, what it looks like from the outside. But mm-hmm. when I get home at the end of the night, I will not watch baseball, period. There is enough. I'm on my 40th day here in spring training. 
I'm good on baseball. I, I get enough of it uh, day to day. And when I get home at night, earlier in my career, this is five, six years ago, I might throw on the tail end of a West Coast game, watch Mike Trout take a couple of at-bats in L.A. But at this point in my career, no chance. And it's <laughs> it's something that I do intentionally. It, it helps keep me mentally fresh, helps keep me in the right state of mind for the job. It's really helped me. The WBC, I could not look away from. It was <laughs> so much fun because, A, you have so many different styles of baseball you have the what we see in the north american or the the canadian and american game you see the latin game with how that's played so passionately with pitchers coming off the mound beating their chest tearing their jerseys open i love that you see the japanese and korean game which is so incredibly fundamentally sound but all of a sudden japanese pitchers are throwing 101 look at You're seeing how games develop internationally. And I just loved it. It was incredible. And the thing is, I was not expecting to. I was not a big WBC guy before. I kind of thought it was a tournament that's not exactly best on best. You know, a lot of guys, you know, stretching, you know, which country they're playing for isn't mm-hmm. best on best between countries. It, that was the best ending you could imagine. I thought oh, that yeah. was one. It, it turned into the best advertisement for baseball I could imagine. It shocked me completely. And again, don't say any of this lightly because uh, it takes a lot for me to get baseball on the TV after a day at the ballpark. Mm -hmm. And I was waiting for games to come on. It was incredible. You could not script a better ending, of course, with Otani versus Trout. And if you do not like baseball after that, cool. You're probably never going to like it. But (laughs) but anybody (laughs) who we could get, I think we got with the WBC. Yeah, and I think um, uh, Japan's pitching was definitely really strong. Um, one of the yeah. one of the um, one of the the benefits I forget who tweeted, but I saw, I saw this tweet. Someone was saying like I think probably one of the things that made the tournament so great was the fact that not all the greatest pitchers were there. We actually got to see the hitters hit. That's a great point, and I I liked that. You know, you didn't have the Jacob Degroms there necessarily, but the games were so offensively minded, and. I don't know the right answer with pitchers. I think maybe the right answer might be something similar to I think Buster only tweeted this today about maybe the pitchers don't have to be there the whole time. If it's their start day, they fly in and start mm-hmm. kind of like calling up AAA starter. Mm-hmm. Maybe that gets less in the way, but the offense was really on display. And you saw how other countries are developing pitchers because for a long time, when you thought of pitchers from Japan or Korea, you thought of someone like a Hunjin Ryu, finesse, extremely advanced, you know, good mechanics, but more finesse, throwing 90-91. Now you have Japanese pitchers leading the tournament in velocity. Yeah. These guys who may not be, you know, they may not be the biggest, most built Alec Manoa-looking pitchers on the mound, but their mechanics and the leg drive that so many Asian pitchers get, with the drive with their bottom half and their legs is so impressive mechanically. Their velocity is absolutely skyrocketing. Mm-hmm. And the talent, I think, now coming out of Japan and Korea will be taken much more seriously. Not that it wasn't, but I think on the pitching side, I think there's going to be a lot more eyes on that. And and that's exciting because the WBC showed us how much fun it can be when players are showing personality, but in a way that is celebrating their team, not showing a middle finger to the other team. And I think that's Really, my stance on celebrations, on bat flips, on everything. As long as you're celebrating with your guys and not showing up the other guys, cool. 
do whatever you want. Have fireworks. I don't care. Go crazy. I, I'm going to have a hard time rooting against Randy Rosarina this year. <laughs> oh, so much fun. A, a guy like him just signing autographs in between innings. And it showed that you can still be a little goofy and succeed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's you can compartmentalize. You do not need to be Mr. Serious. And I think it was good for a lot of people to see that from Mike Trout as well. Mm-hmm. He is not a boring guy. You know, he has unfortunately been left out of the playoffs. And for a lot of people, if you're living in New York or Toronto, you're on the Eastern time zone. A lot of people aren't awake at 10 p.m. every night to watch Mike Trout play baseball. That's okay. But seeing him in games like this, you appreciate that incredible talent. You know, watching Mike Trout and Mookie Betts atop a lineup, that's just so good. It's so good. And, again, I really can't believe how good that tournament worked out because my expectations for it were kind of niche. You know, the people who liked it liked it. Everyone else would ignore it. And then it's, you know, I, I'm in the U.S. right now. It's leading sports center every night. That that game was big, and the numbers are ridiculous on that tournament. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the Japanese TV numbers, it's, I, if not the most watched game ever, it's got to be close. Yeah, it's insane. Um, now, um, kind of pivoting a little bit on, on the WBC, we, we saw, I think, kind of a coming out of uh, Otto Lopez a little bit. Do you think that yeah. he has the edge for that final bench spot, or is it is it Nathan Lukes that, that, that gets it? I think Otto has that edge right now for a few different reasons. And I I really like Otto as a player. I I think for years now, he's a guy who, even just speaking to Joe Sclafani, the the Blue Jays uh, director of player development, he's someone who I even needed to check myself on, you know, making prospect lists because every year he's producing, he's hitting 300, he's stealing some bases, he's doing it at different positions. So at a certain point, this guy deserves a little more credit than he's Mm -hmm. probably gotten. And Otto Lopez is such a fundamentally sound hitter. And that's really important. Now, if you were a guy with Bo Bichette's type of swing, like Bo is a guy that needs to be in there every day getting rhythm. But if you put a swing like that on the bench and then ask him to come in and hit seven days later, I don't know how that's going to look. But Otto Lopez makes so much contact at the plate. On top of that, he's a fast player. He can be your backup shortstop, which is important. Bobichet can't play 162 every year. And can do it at different positions. At the start of camp, I really, really, really thought the Blue Jays were going to add another outfielder. But then you saw Kevin Biggio in right. You saw Whit Merrifield in left. And it started to make a little more sense. I think they can get by with that for now. Maybe trade deadline, we're having a different conversation. But mm-hmm. right now, I think Otto Lopez is inside track on that. The WBC helped him, definitely. And all he's done is produce every single level of the minor leagues. And, you know, Otto, I mean, poor guy was up and down. I felt 100 times last year and still went, you know, six for nine over over a few different stints. So he has earned it and I think is, I'll say, an underrated player in this system. The numbers have always been there has never gotten the attention of a top five prospect, but the number's always there. So eventually you've got to believe them. Sure, sure. Now, um, you released uh, an article about Jose Barrios, I think it was yesterday. Um, now, what what should our expectations be of, of, of him this year? You know, th- there's been a, a tendency, and I've fallen into this, to say, well, he has to bounce back. Not necessarily. It doesn't have to go that way. Even though he has been one of the most consistent players 
in Major League Baseball from 2018 to 2021, 2017 to 21, you would think that automatically bounces back, but at some point you do see players get figured out. So for him, it's about avoiding that. And the encouraging angle for me to look at this is that Barrios did not completely lose it last year. If you walked through the living room and you watched one inning of Jose Barrios, yeah, maybe he was getting hit, but it didn't look terrible. He was not losing control of the zone. He was not hitting guys in the head, throwing behind people. It was just a little bit here and there that his pitches would miss, and he was getting hammered. So it's a minor adjustment that needs to be made. But I think one thing he fell into last year was the game of adjustments. Every start was something different, trying to change where he was standing, his release point. And if you're doing that in the middle of the season against Aaron Judge, you've already lost your toast. So I think for Berrios this year, it's about just getting back to who he was, which means relaxing, being natural. Part of that's a game plan, but part of it is just go play ball. Go out and be a ball player. He knows how to do this. You don't pitch to a you know 3.7, 3.8 ERA for five years by accident. It's it's in there for Barrios. You know, it's a much different conversation than a Kikuchi or a, or a different guy, but I think it's certainly in there. And even if he can give the Blue Jays a 4.1 ERA, let's say 4.1 ERA, 170 innings, they're happy. I think you've got Chris Bassett, Kevin Gossman, Alec Manoa. I think as long as Barrios can keep the Blue Jays in games and give them some real innings, sure, you were expecting more at the time of the extension, but this is about rebounding a little bit, and it's certainly in there. And and one thing I'll say about Jose, too, is he really, really gives a damn about that. You know, this is not a guy that's coming in uh, relaxed and just collecting his paycheck. He really takes it to heart in a way that I really respect. So he's a, a guy that's going to care about it. I expect him to bounce back to some extent. But is that just a little bit, a 4.6 guy, or can he get back to who he was? I think that's that's the difference of four or five wins for this team. It's huge. And and when he was pitching last year, it's not like it was they they had a losing record or anything to go, to go like totally yeah. like, any, like wins and losses anti analytical or whatever. But um, so you think his his issues were more mechanical rather than like a lot of people thought maybe he was tipping his pitches all year long last year. Yeah, there were conversations about that as well, but I, I think a lot of it was mechanical and getting caught in that back and forth of not being the same pitcher start to start. And I spoke to Pete Walker about this a couple of days ago and. And that's what he highlighted. It's just about consistency. And I don't think we talk about consistency enough, but I understand it because it's kind of boring. <laughs> but every pitcher in Major League Baseball can strike out Mike Trout. Every hitter can hit a home run off Jacob deGrom. It's just about having your best swing or best pitch every time. <laughs> consistency is what separates stars from average guys. It's being able to be that best version of yourself every time. Jose Barrios had been doing that for five years. Then last year, it started blipping on the radar where he would not be that guy. Then he'd come back with a strong start. We'd all say, here he is. And then his next start, he would lose it again. So it's all about consistency for him. The talent is there. The pitches are there. If Barrios was suddenly throwing 91, yeah, I'm worried. If his spin rates were suddenly going in the garbage can, yeah, you're worried. But it's all there. Every piece is still there. It's just consistency. So I think that takes some simplifying. I think that takes him, again, just kind of relaxing and saying, go pitch. 
You know, mm-hmm. we can talk him to death about game plans, mechanics, where he's standing, what pitches he's throwing. Go pitch. You're good enough. You've done this before over and over. And, you know, I'm a big believer in not rewriting history. I love that contract extension at the time. I cannot pretend I didn't. And there's still lots of time for that to look good. But at the time, I loved that contract for a reason. And that reason is still in there with Jose. Yeah, and I think I, yeah, I think it will. That contract will age age well. Uh, another guy who um, I think just needs to, like you say, just pitch um, is is you say Kikuchi. What what should we uh, be looking for from him this year? He's looked a lot better. That's that's encouraging to start. It, it was a competition for a bit. Hasn't really been a competition. Mitch White was a bit behind with his shoulder issue, but thankfully for the Blue Jays, I mean, if Kikuchi had have shown up looking bad, they were really in a rough spot. But he's looked good. And credit to him because he's another guy who really took 2022 to heart. At some point, that may have gotten the best of you, say, I believe, last year. Because he's a guy coming in on a a big contract. You're making 12 million bucks. You want to perform. You you want to be the guy that matches what Manoa, Gosman are doing. And he wasn't. He took that to heart. So I think he comes in this year a lot more natural. And he's a lefty throwing 96. You know, that's not the most common thing in the world. Mm -hmm. So there's certainly bullpen upside with Yusei if he was throwing two or three innings, but he needs to be a starter right now. He's embracing that. And I think it's a matter of contextualizing what a number five starter is in Major League Baseball. Now, in a perfect world, you've got a young guy coming in on a low salary, helping you out with roster. But, you know, the Blue Jays have spent a ton of money on this rotation, a ton of money. And you say is that number five does not need to give you a sub four ERA. If you say is giving you innings and he gets that ERA down below five, closer to a 4.6 range, you're pretty happy. A lot of teams in major league baseball will be piecing together that number five spot. They'll be using young guys. They'll be using bulk relievers openers. So the, the bar does not need to be high for you say, and to his credit, he's done everything he can do in spring training we'll see what that looks like in the regular season but the key for you say is the first inning man it's the first inning because we saw last year there were a lot of days at the ballpark where i would see him throw two or three pitches and i would just have to cancel my dinner plans after the game it's uh you could tell immediately but if he can establish himself early if he can get the first strike and i know that's important for everybody but especially you say if he can get that first strike He's a completely different pitcher. And again, a guy who has the talent, he's the ultimate example of just, you need to be consistent because when he looks good, you think, wow, okay, that's what the Blue Jays saw. When he looks bad, you think, yikes. So the answer is in there somewhere, but he has the talent and another guy who really cares. For sure. Um, now, uh, with, with Kevin Gossman, I think that we're, we're, everybody's pretty enthusiastic on, on what he's going to do this year. Do you think that the elimination of the shift is going to make him a more dominant version of what we saw last year? Yeah, I think Gossman is someone I would really bet on heavily this year because that 3.35 ERA last year is, A, ridiculous. Because he had the, I think, the second worst BABIP since 1920. And that's a lot of seasons for a lot of pitchers going back that far. With Gosman and his ability, if his luck even reverts to average in 2023, 
he is a significantly better pitcher. Now, with the way he was pitching, he probably should have had a 2.6, 2.7 ERA last year. And when I was making my Cy Young ballot last year, I had Kevin Gosman number five, and I ended up being the only guy to vote for Kevin Gosman, which is something that I do take pretty seriously when it's a Blue Jays player because I don't want to be seen as you know favoring the team that I cover. But with Gosman, the numbers outside of his ERA were so good. You look at his FIP, you look at the BABIP that screwed him. And from the moment he pitched, like when Kevin Gosman let go of the ball, he was one of the two or three best pitchers in baseball. But when the ball got hit on the ground, he had terrible, terrible luck. And I rarely lean on luck as in analysis, but when it's historic levels of luck, you have to. I think the... Shift being eliminated could help Gosman, which is rare for a pitcher. But this is another guy I spoke to Pete Walker about, and he said that like, as a team, they have learned a lot about how to defend behind Kevin Gosman. Being a splitter guy, which is very rare, you know, a, a splitter like Gosman's, that's as rare as a knuckleball. It's, it's strange. The Blue Jays have learned how to defend behind him a little bit better. So even if the shift still existed, I think you would see them lining up much, much differently this year. So I think he'll be helped by that. He will really be helped by Lourdes Gurriel and Teoscar Hernandez being replaced <laughs> by Dalton Varsho and Kevin Kiermaier. Every pitcher on this roster can take .2 off their ERA. That's fantastic news. I think Gosman has a big year. Uh, I would, you know, for my dollar, I, I think he's really going to make another Cy Young run if he can stay healthy. Mm-hmm. And he's looked amazing in spring training. What is he, 13 and two-thirds innings, 18 strikeouts, zero runs. And he started last year really, really good. So mm-hmm. I would bet on him doing that again. And uh, I think he's really going to benefit from some better defense behind him. A, just because luck has to balance. B, because I think the Blue Jays are going to be smarter about how they defend behind him. For sure. Yeah, they have more more data behind that as well. Um, has yeah. he adapted his 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 uh, his wind up and delivery um, to the the umps calling more being more strict on the box? Has that has that kind of been an issue for him? It wasn't as big an issue as I thought because he was kind of the poster boy for that at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And Gosman is so incredibly California. Like he is a very cool guy, so laid back <laughs> and. He was a guy who was able to take that with the right mindset. I think he was kind of able to laugh at that and think, well, this sucks, but, you know, better figure it out. And he did. Uh, That's one of the parts of his personality, I think, that makes him a great pitcher. I would love to be as laid back as Kevin Gossman. My life would be a lot simpler, I think. But he's really taken that well. And that's something I was a bit worried about, frankly, because that was built into his body and his timing you know Mm -hmm. that was something he's been doing subconsciously for a long time so I was worried that was going to get messy frankly and that he would be (laughs) taking 10 box a game in spring training he seems to have just gotten rid of it and the pitch clock as a whole has not been as big an issue as I thought really it's it's uh I'm a fan of it I I will vote for the pitch clock for MVP this year (laughs) not just because it's you know giving me 30 minutes of my life back every day but (laughs) Because I think it's literally, it's one of the best moves baseball's made in a while. I really think because the action is just just a little bit quicker. It's not going to make you anxious. It's not too fast. But I think it's really made an incredible change. 
And the pitchers have adapted pretty quickly to it. So even guys like Manoa, who I thought might be challenged, but Gosman to that uh, to that one that he was used, frankly, as an example of. Here's what not what not to do. A video of Kevin Gosman. He's looked just great, and I think he's due for a big year. Yeah, that that pitch clock gives you, I think, uh, four days total over the course of the entire season back of your, of your life. <laughs> oh, thank goodness! I think that's uh, that's one extra drink at the at the uh, post game uh, restaurant. That's good. <laughs> there you go. Um, now they just recently. Um, MLB sent out, I guess, was it a memo or whatever, about um, the little tweaks to the rules. Do you think that the rules need adjusting, or are they okay how, how they are so far as they're playing out in spring training? Yeah, I think it made some sense to to tweak a little bit. Um, just taking some feedback from players as well, who are saying, you know, we're, we're fine with how these are working, but let's just involve some common sense. And by that, we're talking about maybe, you know, if one example was if a, if a batter gets brushed back so if someone throws high and inside on Bobichet and he falls on his back his helmet falls off okay don't start the clock right away you know let's have a bit of a human element you've got to be careful with human elements because it's uh it's going to vary from person to person just like we evaluate umpires eventually you know people will be tweeting me about uh clock operators which i'm sure i'll enjoy <laughs> but uh i think it's going to be different from stadium to stadium it will be but just a little bit of common sense. You know, if the catcher was the last guy in the inning and he's a bit slow getting out, give him a second. If a guy just had to run out a long fly ball into foul toward territory, give him a second. Okay. Let's not make this something that we're trying to catch people with. Mm-hmm. Let's just make it something that's keeping the flow of the game going in a fair way. So I do think that the, uh, the players mostly talked about that during spring training as well, that, if adjustments needed to be made, it was just making some room for common sense. And most good rule changes are common sense rule changes. You know, it's uh, the the bad example, I guess, is the you know, the NFL, where every year I don't know what a catch is. I don't know what anything. You know, I don't know how the league works every year when I start yeah. work, watching it again. But in baseball, I know this is a game that's a little bit afraid of rule changes. It's grounded in tradition, and that's good. But if you are going to make some changes – just have them make sense. That's that's mm-hmm. how you're going to get new fans. And I think these ones make some sense. Just make it easier on these guys. And I think the big one was also just um, restricting what the uh, the uh, replay calls can be on, on those infield shifts as well. I think that'll be, that's an important one. Yeah, avoiding any unnecessary replays. Replays are good. You got to get it right. But, oh, man, do they slow a game down? And do they ever take the air out of a building? You know, it's... Anyone who goes to games, even one a year, you, you know that when that replay comes, unless it's on a big play, mm-hmm. you know, but if it's a second <clears throat> inning replay, nobody's excited. Nobody cares. You know, it's just like, yeah. let's get it over with. That's one of those moments that really slows down a game. So any way that you can make that more efficient and again, just some common sense to it, I, I think makes makes a lot of sense for me. You know, make this be as unnoticeable as possible you know you you want the pitch clock to be just a regular heartbeat of the game i think in a perfect world mlb would love it if two months from now we're not even saying pitch clock it's kind of just like you know the shot clock in the nba it's something that you understand it's just there Mm -hmm. and i think that'll happen quick a lot quicker than people think it'll really blend in pretty quickly yeah i would agree with that what's the confidence going into the season for the jays bullpen 
I think it's in a good place right now. And you can look down the line, you'll have guys like Chad Green, maybe Yasmin Zulaweta, Nate Pearson coming up eventually. But there's depth, which is good. But in past years, depth has bored me, frankly, with the Blue Jays, because it's depth of a lot of guys who throw 94, which is okay. That's not what championship teams have. Now the Blue Jays have depth with upside. That's the sweet spot. And I think they're finally getting there. This organization kind of trailed behind the rest of baseball when it came to velocity, guys. That's why that's part of the Nate Pearson hype train over those years. Oh, my God, he's throwing 100. Well, most teams have a dozen guys throwing 100. You know, young guys in the system. The Blue Jays just didn't have many. They're doing a much better job now. I think you're going to see those results from the minor leagues coming up year after year. But in terms of major league guys, a lot of upside. Eric Swanson was a big, big addition. Jimmy Garcia, I think, is one of the more underrated parts of this team. He's a really good reliever, and he looks great so far. Even when you get into the depth pieces, like the names I mentioned, a guy like Zach Pop, the Canadian who's at a good camp, you see how this bullpen can look good all year. It's easy to look good day one, but eventually one or two of these guys are going to look bad. One or two of them are going to shake an elbow or strain an oblique. It's just how it works. Who is next in line? And in past years, the Blue Jays have had average guys in line. Now they have guys who belong in MLB bullpens somewhere. So I think this is a very good group. For any contender at the deadline, you're going to be adding to the bullpen regardless. But now they can go a little deeper because good teams have a closer, and the Blue Jays had Jordan Romano. Great teams have two or three closers. And they probably have that now uh, going down the list when you've got Jimmy Garcia, when you've got Swanson. I, I think that's a pretty deep group. But again, upside, real upside. It's the first time we've seen as much upside in the Blue Jays bullpen in, in a lot of years. Yeah, it's nice to see that from the bullpen for sure. Now, speaking of depth, do the Jays have enough depth in the starting rotation to at least get them through to the trade deadline? That's a more nervous one, yeah. I think, if you're the Blue Jays. so. Mitch White, he could build up to be a starter. We'll see. Drew Hutchison had that bit of that oblique injury. We'll see where that goes. Zach Thompson is involved there, so he would be next in line. Maybe Thomas Hatch, who's a guy I really, really liked a couple of years ago, had a tough year. There is not a ton there. That being said, it's not like most teams have 11 or 12 guys, but if you're the Blue Jays, you'd like that to be a little deeper right now eventually Ricky Tiedemann will be part of that. Eventually Yasser Zulaweta could be a multi-inning guy there. Hunjin Ryu is aiming for mid-June, mid-July there, sorry. We'll see if that happens. But you're getting into the element of hoping, and you do not build a roster on hope. That's a very dangerous thing. <laughs> so the Blue Jays got to hope they stay healthy. If they lose one starter, okay, you manage it. Teams are going to be worse off. If you lose two, that's when it gets a little scary. I think last year was similar. Ross Stripling saved this team last year. I, I can't overstate enough how much Ross Stripling saved this team. So that guy might not be waiting in line this year. You don't have a guy who's going to give you a three-point-something ERA. So they better stay healthy. Uh, that's one risk. But again, one that could be addressed at the deadline if needed. Maybe I'm hoping Drew Hutchison. Drew Hutchison will be the good luck charm and bring some 2015 uh, injury hey, uh, <laughs> magic with that. It's a real throwback. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, any any line that has John Schneider given any hints as to who gets the opening day start? 
it looks like it'll be Alec Manoa just based on the schedule when you, you know, kind of logically build it out from here. That would also line him up for the home opener uh, back in Toronto, I believe. Mm. So right now it looks like it would go Goss or sorry, Manoa, then Gossman. And then from there, I don't think the Blue Jays are too concerned. They're not exactly ranking guys, but mm-hmm. Kikuchi is the five. And then you're mostly dealing with scheduling between Bassett and Barrios. It's not exactly saying one's better than the other. Mm-hmm. But looks like Manoa is that guy. He has earned it. He will be the most eager man in the world to get back out there, given how last season ended in the postseason. But looking like Manoa right now, just based off scheduling. Okay. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. And Gossman, you can't go wrong with Gossman either. Um, yeah. Yeah. Now we have some uh, new Blue Jays. We mentioned them in the outfield: Dalton Varsho and Kevin Kiermeyer. Um, first of all, how do you, how do you, what should fans expect from them, and how will they uh, kind of play the outfield with those new d- dimensions? Yeah, it's going to be a incredible defensive outfield when you have them with George Springer in right you're looking at what could be one of the best defensive outfields, I think, in, in all of baseball. Mm-hmm. Defensively, an incredibly gifted group. Now, this is another group where if an injury hits, things get sideways pretty fast. We'll see how that goes. But with Kiermeyer, he's so fascinating to talk to because, A, he will talk your ear off. For <laughs> he's the guy that gets excited about baseball, really passionate guy. But he says over and over, I want to be the best number nine hitter in baseball. He doesn't care about hitting home runs. He doesn't need to be the guy. He just wants to go out and get on base because he's now playing with a lineup full of superstars. He knows his role. Mm-hmm. Dalton Varsho came into camp, and, and John Schneider said the other day, it's, you're a guy trying to make an impression. Didn't go well for him early on, but he had that big home run in Dunedin yesterday and looks a lot better. And Dalton Varsho is a guy that has some power in there. He's built a little short of it, very compact, very strong. And I think the the speed and the defense these guys bring are really representative of what the Jays are trying to do. Are they a better team this year? I don't know. I'm not sure. But they're different. And I like that because the last few years, they've been the same type of team. Mm-hmm. Even though the names have changed, you know, a Marcus Semyon comes and goes, a Matt Chapman comes. It's been the same type of team that tries to beat you up offensively. But I think this is a more well-rounded team that can win games different ways. That's important. The Blue Jays could win a Blue Jays game very easily if it was a 9-8 to eight game. But if the Blue Jays all of a sudden need to win a 2-1 game, which is which what happens in the playoffs, now they're better suited to do that. And I think that's a real major shift. And Varsho and Kiermaier are the guys that embody that fully. Yeah, it kind of reminds me they're a team like uh, the Phillies who like, sure, they have great offense, but it's the pitching and defense that was really what sparked them to the World Series last year. Yeah, you you need that eventually. You know, we talk about pitching and defense. It's it's the old mantra of defense winning championships, which – Most of the time, I'm against. It bores me. But in Major League Baseball, you get to October, you are facing every team's best starting pitcher, every team's best reliever every single day. You no longer get that AAA lefty who's coming up for a day for you to just beat up on. It's suddenly very hard every day. And that's when you need defense and pitching 
because you're trying to win two to one, four to two, five to three. There aren't those big blowout games as often. So the Blue Jays are much better suited to win those now, which is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there are some more new faces coming in. Uh, Brandon Belt, um, is he back 100% healthy yet? He is now. He's been playing a little bit of first base. Uh, he'll DH a lot. Uh, I, I think he might be out at first base, let's say once a week. Mm-hmm. Spell off Vladdy, keep Vladdy fresh. But Belt is a guy they don't want on his feet a ton. You know, he's coming off some surgeries. He's had injuries. You know, Belt is a you know a veteran of twelve years now. He's here for his bat, but I think he's a guy that could really help to change this lineup as well. Get more lefty bats in there. The Blue Jays could face some more lefty pitching. Vladdy and Bo will be happy about that. But he's uh, ramping up a little more slowly. Didn't need to see as much pitching, but a guy who is is ready just in time and. He has such a good feel. I think Brandon Belt's the type of guy who could show up in a, a pair of jeans and still go two for four. You know, not a guy that needs <laughs> a lot of the uh, the more advanced ramp up of the the younger guys. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of, of of being ready, is will Alejandro Kirk be ready in time for the start of the season? Because he had a late start with the with having a baby, understandable. Mm-hmm. But he, I guess, he had some sort of illness recently, um, and I guess he's kind of getting a little slower, ramping back up again. Yeah, thankfully, that was just a one- or two-day deal. And Kirk is another guy where this probably impacts him less than an average player because he is such a good natural hitter. Mm-hmm. He's another guy who can just roll out of bed and get a couple of base hits. You know, his swing is so simple. If he had a big, crazy swing with moving parts, I'd be more worried. But I think Kirk is already so natural working with Alec Manoa, working with some of these pitchers. And he was able to do some work while he was away, too. So I think you'll see him ready as well. And and what about uh, George Springer? George is back full go. And awesome. a full George Springer is a a scary baseball player, especially a top <laughs> lineup. Yeah. Um and 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 Vladdy's knee has totally healed up hundred percent. Any any lingering worries about that one? No, no lingering worries. You know, of course with a bigger guy, any any joint issues, lower body, you worry a little bit. But Vladdy has come back unfortunately couldn't be part of that wbc i would have loved to see that but his health right now seems good he is running full tilt this is a guy that can steal some bases i i really believe he could you know not 50 but you know 10 or 12 Mm -hmm. it's in there he's got some quickness not speed but quickness he's got some quick feet for a big man so it's uh good to see him back he's he's really looking a little more relaxed this spring yeah, I'm hoping for a big year from him. Um, now, did you get a chance to have? Uh, were you part of that tour uh, with, the, with when they were unveiling kind of the new dimensions of the Rogers Center? I was wearing the uh, the construction hat and vest and everything. We got the uh, the full go around. Now, do you are you are you? Um, I guess agreeing with with uh, the the front office that this is going to be kind of an it's going to play out neutral or do you think that it's going to be kind of a, a home run type of a field i think it'll be close to neutral i would lean towards home runs um we'll have a story on this at mlb.com over the weekend probably where uh, some of our people who are much smarter than me have given me the fancy numbers and i the lowly writer will try to explain them but uh, <laughs> we, we've definitely done a lot of uh, a lot of the math on it Looks like it will be fairly neutral, but a little more offense. I think a little more offense and different types of offense. So some of those Vladdy low line drives, they might be hard singles. Um, But some of those Matt Chapman fly balls to the warning track we saw a thousand of last year, 
might be home runs. So there will be some good examples of ones last year that would have gone out or would have stayed in. But I think moving the, the fences in and raising them up kind of works pretty good in tandem. What I really love is those strains juts that come in mm-hmm. in the power alleys. Make it a little weird. I want to see balls bouncing around. I want to see triples, doubles. Those are the exciting plays. And I think it's going to just create a little bit of chaos, a little bit of strange when it comes to balls in play. And that's what fans want. They want athletic plays where a guy's trying to beat out a throw. And I I think this will be pretty messy, but I will say I think it's an advantage for the Blue Jays. It's kind of like a left fielder in Boston. You know, you know what the Green Monster does. You know how to play that. When a new guy comes in, they don't really. So mm-hmm. that's not going to steal you five wins, but it might save you an error or a run once or twice a season, and you'll take that where you can get it. Yeah, no, that's the beauty of baseball is a little bit of chaos and a little bit of strange for sure. I think you got yes. the nail on the head with that <laughs> one. Um, and finally, I got one, just one last question for you. Um, who do you think? And, and I'm, I'm serious with this question because I, I, I'm, I'm kind of low on the Yankees. Do you think it that the Yankees or the Rays will be a bigger challenge uh, in winning the AL East for the Jays? I would lean towards the Rays, I, I think, at this point. Like, especially if they can have Glasnow back and looking good. Some of their pitching talent coming up. I think the Orioles are going to be annoying. I think they're going to be a pesky team for a few years. Mm-hmm. They've got nothing but money to spend and young talent. They're going to annoy some people. I, From a baseball standpoint, I, I really like where the Orioles are right now. It, it's kind of like those early Blue Jays teams of mm-hmm. 18 and 19 coming up. They're going to be fun. I really think so. But the Yankees need some stuff to go right. You're mm-hmm. betting on guys like Josh Donaldson, which was a good idea several years ago. Type of things you're you're betting on Aaron Judge to recreate what he did last year. Not going to happen. You know, it's maybe the one percent chance it does. That's not me hating on Aaron Judge. I think he's an incredible player, incredible ambassador for the game. But you don't usually repeat those record-setting seasons, and they need that. So, I think that health is biting the Yankees early as well with their starting rotation. So much of this is health really at this point it's another one like talking about consistency or luck like we talked about earlier that's not exciting it's not what gets fans really riled up but all three of these teams are so good which one of them is going to lose a superstar or go through that really bad stretch where they've got half of their infield out we'll see the yankees have not had good injury luck in recent years whatsoever Mm -mm. so i think the rays are never going to go away they're a team that you can always bet on now to be in those low 90s of wins whereas the yankees yeah they could make a run they could spend another billion dollars at the trade deadline but realistically i think we can all see how the yankees can regress pretty significantly so huge range of outcomes the rays are right in the middle of that and the blue jays are the the upside team really i think if you're looking for upside on a team that's on the blue jays right now the the orioles will stay around and bug people the red Sox will do whatever they do i don't think it's going to be terribly inspiring (laughs) i don't think it's going to uh i don't think this will be a a, an incredibly memorable year for the red sox they're kind of transitioning into wherever they're going but yeah those pesky orioles i think will be fun but the the blue jays i think have a path to win this division Uh, it's time for them to stop sneaking in as a wild card seed it's time for them to host some playoff games alds playoff games they are good enough and every move they have made this offseason is again not about 
being better. I don't know if they're better yet, but it's about being a bit different and trying to get into the same room just through a different doorway. And uh, I think that uh, the Rays are probably a bit more of a challenge for that. Yeah, historically, they always have been. So we'll we'll, we'll yeah. leave it we'll leave it there. Um, so pe- folks can follow you at Keegan Matheson on Twitter, and they should also sign up for your for your uh, newsletter on MLB.com. Any any other sp- spots where we can find your work? No, that's it. I appreciate it. It's uh, it's always scares me when my newsletter shows up in my inbox. I, I think, <laughs> did I send that to myself? No, it was from yesterday. But uh, no, that's it. Uh, find me on Twitter, the inbox, uh, bluejays.com. I will be in uh, beautiful St. Louis in a couple of days. I'm, I'm going home for one day just to do laundry <laughs> in between all of this. I, uh, I, ref- I refuse to take these suitcases from spring training right to St. Louis. I need to break it up somehow. So we'll be in St. Louis, uh, Kansas City to start the year. And uh, a lot of coverage uh, on the road this year, which uh, which matters because that's where games are. So it'll be a lot of uh, a lot of road trips, uh, full coverage of the season all over MLB Network. But it's uh, going to be a good one, you know, Matt. I always uh, I always um, kind of preview a team based on how confidently I can book weddings in October <laughs> because I'm of the age where everyone I know is getting married. I'm 32. Mm-hmm. It's tough. Everyone gets married in October. And, you know, thankfully, most of my friends don't really understand my weird job. And they'll say, OK, can you can you make it October 21st? And this is one of those years where I'm kind of saying, I don't know if I can commit to that. So that's a good thing for Blue Jays fans. If I am not RSVPing to weddings. <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely. Keegan, thanks for joining me. Absolutely, Matt. Thank you. Thanks again to Keegan Matheson for joining me. Uh, Stay tuned uh, to your podcast feed for the season preview episode. Steve will be back to join me on Sunday, and we will be previewing all things Blue Jays, all things uh, American League. We'll pick our our division winners and and World Series winners and such. So stick around for that, and we will talk to you later. Bye-bye.